Watermelons aren't soft, is all I know. Yeah. Well, that was a bit of a, a fun game of uh, what happens next. And uh, you know what? I think we have a bit of a, a desire to know what happens next. You see this in um, lots of TV shows and movies. It's kind of one of the main, you'll see, uh, plot threads sometimes on a, a serial TV show. There's a, an episode about if the people could know the future. I remember when I was uh, young, I was watching a TV show, and one of the main characters had a watch. And the watch told them the exact time that they were going to pass away, that they would die. And so, which sounds a bit morbid, but actually, fortunately for the guy in the TV show, it was like 60, 70 years away. And so he was like, I'm invincible. I, he used to be scared of heights, but then he was like walking across a beam, across like two buildings, and he was able to conquer his fears because he knew, he knew this wasn't going to be how he was going to die. I mean, it didn't say about whether he was going to have a serious injury, uh, but... <laughs> But let's, let's not go into that. Let's not think too deeply about the watch. Uh, but we have this idea, right? We have this idea that we would love to know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, as parents, I think we also have a deep desire to know what's going to happen with our kids. We want to know that they're going to be all right, that they're going to uh, have a good life. We want to help provide and set them up for that. We have lots of thoughts, desires to know the future. The good news for us is in the Bible, it gives us a picture of our future. It describes what our future is going to be like. And I've tried to find a few like artworks or things that capture this, and nothing quite really inspired me. And so, <laughs> we're going to do an exercise. Uh, we are going to do something called a visualization. I'm going to read a passage from the book of Revelation in the Bible, and I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and to try and bring up a mental picture of this in your minds. Because I actually think the language that's used, the words that are used in this passage, are able to present something far greater than an artist could even capture. And so I want you to use the power of your imagination to be able to see this image that Revelation chapter 21 talks about. So here we go. I invite you, if you would like to, you don't have to do this, but if you would like to, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and I'm going to read to us Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
he who was seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Then he said this, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. I invite you to open your eyes now. This is the picture, right? This is the picture that God gives us of our future. It's exciting. It's powerful to think about this is what awaits us. I've been doing a series on the church, the who, what, why of church. This is the future of the church. The future of the church is God coming down out of heaven and making all things new, transforming our world and being our God, living amongst us, where there's no more death, no pain, no suffering, no disease. The God of comfort will literally be with us and amongst us, wiping every tear from our eyes. All discomfort, all mourning, all grief is gone. The old order, what marks our existence now, what what so defines life is pain and suffering and death and disease, that's gone. God is making all things new. This is the future for God's church. This is the future for God's people. This is what awaits us. This is the true and glorious hope we have. And I think it's important to remember that. It's important to know this. Because like the the kid who had the watch, which told him when he was going to die, when we know that this definitely is our future, it can change how we live now. When the guy had the watch, which told him how long it was to die, he was no longer scared of heights. When we know that this is our sure future of being with God in the new order, we don't have to worry about as much stuff here on earth. We can be a bit more courageous. We can be a bit more trust and faith because we know that God's got it under his control. And in the end, no matter what happens in our life, if our life turns out disastrously, if the worst thing that possibly happens and we die, this is what awaits us. This is our glorious, eternal future. And it actually describes us in this passage as being like the bride. And there's a few bits in, uh, in Revelation talks about God's church being like a bride, uh, waiting for uh, God to come and to reveal himself. Uh, but I, I've got a bit of a confession. I've never been a bride. It's a true story. Uh, I have, however being a groom. I think we've got a photo of this. <laughs> look how old and wise and mature I look there, hey? <laughs> um, Laura looks like Laura. Uh, I had somebody recently, po- like I've, I've put this on some of my social media and somebody on my social media said, who's the guy? Uh, yeah. What happened? Uh, 
time. Time happened. I'm very happily married and love being married to Laura. Uh, definitely not marriage. Uh, time happened is the reality. Uh, all right, I think that's enough of me. Uh, I don't need to see that. Uh, I remember that day. Uh, our wedding was at 2 p.m. Uh, it was a lovely outdoor garden center and they had a, a little aisle there. It's beautiful. Uh, and I remember I woke up about 9 a.m. Uh, my, my best man and I went out for breakfast. I uh, had like a big breakfast, bit of sustenance, uh, kind of went back. Uh, uh, his wife came over, we had uh, a glass of uh, bubbles. And, and then at about like 11.30, 12 o'clock, I started thinking about, well, it might be time to start getting ready. Uh, and so I started getting ready and then uh, I arrived early, about 1.30, to start waiting in my suit, already waiting for, for Laura to arrive. Uh, I imagine Laura's day was maybe slightly different to that. Uh, she may be up a little bit earlier. Uh, we're doing hair and makeup for her and, her bri and the bridesmaids, um, getting everything ready, lots of photos, getting the dress on, the veil. Uh, her parents were there. Lots of things were going on. Uh, and eventually, uh, then getting in the cars, getting some photos of the cars and then coming to the wedding. Uh, and even with all of that, uh, Laura was actually early. She was like the only bride I've ever heard of who's, who was early to a wedding. But I mean, you know, who could blame her, right? Um, uh, she got sent away by the, the minister, said, you have to come back in 15 minutes. This is, your guests are still arriving. Uh, but she was keen. She was excited. Um, but uh, this is a very different experience to a wedding in Jesus' time. We actually have it flipped around entirely. In Jesus' time, the groom would leave his parents' house and he would come to the house where his bride is and then they would have the wedding there and then he would take the bride to live with him in their new house together. And it would often be kind of a room in the family house and that would be the place where they would kind of go to live together. And that's the image, right? So the image of the bride who prepares herself who gets ready, who's getting everything on, she actually didn't know when the groom was going to arrive. They would set a day, but they didn't actually know, like they didn't have the calendars, they didn't schedule the time with their phones, they didn't have a reminder in their phones. So you never knew, you had to be ready, right? As the bride, you had to be ready because your groom could come at any point during the day and the day was spent waiting getting yourself prepared and waiting, waiting for your groom to come to have the wedding and to take you to your new home. That's the image in Revelation, right? Jesus and God is the groom. We are the bride. We are to get ourselves ready and to be waiting for the groom to come and take us to our new home to take us to our heavenly home, the way we're going to live with him forever. That's the image that we're getting at. We need to be prepared. It talks about the white clothes that the bride puts on in Revelation being like righteous, good works for God. It's about us doing stuff for him in preparation for him coming, living a life where we actually are seeking to listen to him and follow him because we are waiting for our groom to come and take us 
to our sure eternal future that I've spoken about. When I was thinking about the who, what, why of church, and I want to talk of the future of the church, that's the long-term future of the church. I want to talk more now, shifting from having understood that long-term view, thinking now of the short to medium-term future of our church. The short to medium-term future of our church, well, actually, guess what? A lot of them are in the room with us today. It's an exciting thought to think that our children that are here with us are actually part of the future of the church. But you know what? I actually don't think that does it justice because kids aren't just the future of the church. Kids are part of the church now, right? They're important, valuable members of this community. When God talks about the church as a family, I find that a really helpful analogy because children are important members of a family. You think about your own family that you grew up in. You're an important member. You weren't expected to be an adult yet, but you would be having wisdom imparted and things taught to you as you grew up so that you could do that when you become an adult. Last night, uh, I cooked my son's favorite meal, pork ribs. Uh, he enjoyed it so much. They said, next time we do it, I'm going to uh, teach you how to do this. So you can have the knowledge of, uh, of how to cook the most amazing pork ribs that I've ever eaten. Uh, and so he can then take that with him into his future. And that's the whole idea, right? When you think about that in terms of what we're doing at church, that's starting to get things, right? We're starting to get, church is not just about us coming and just getting what suits us. I've sadly been to many churches which have kind of had the attitude that kids are welcome once they're able to be adults. Once they're able to sit and listen, once they're able to not make noise, once they're not able to disturb other people, then, then they can come in and they can be like the rest of us who sit and don't make noise. I, that's not the sort of church that I want for this to be because I've seen this and the sad reality is, by the time these children grow up and they get to the point where they might want to be in church, they've worked out, because they've been told, church is not for you. How sad's that, right? Because we said, you can't, as a child, you can't come and be part of this until you're able to sit and listen. They learned, well, that's not for me. I want this to be a place where kids are welcome and wanted where we just seek to be able to do this together as family, with grandparents, with retirees, with adults, with single people, married people, young adults, youth. This is the, what I hope to be able to have, this big mixing pot of people just doing life and family together. What a beautiful picture of God's church. I'll give you a few examples of what this could look like. And I haven't warned the people of this, so here we go. I was speaking to Josh uh, the other week, and he was telling me about his upbringing at Unley Park, and he was reflecting about uh, how he bumped into Barry Humphreys uh, the other week at, at something, and he was able to just have a bit of a chat. And he was reflecting about how much he valued Barry 
and kind of knew that Barry was there and somebody who had known him since he was so young and who he still has that point of connection with, right? Now he's an adult, now he's got a family, he's got this connection with somebody else who's been through it. Church as family. Uh, Laura's mum has prayed for all of Laura's non-Christian friends from the moment that Laura has become friends with them. Beautifully, faithfully continues to pray for those people. Church's family. One of my personal heroes of faith uh, was actually a lady from a church we were part of about a decade ago. Uh, every week she came to the youth service in the evening to encourage and support the young people who came along to that service. Uh, she was a widow. She had lost her husband before I'd started working at that church. Uh, and she had lost both of her sons to mental health battles. She was essentially alone. If anyone had reason to give up, it was her. But she made the choice to continue to trust in God and invest in others. Church's family. What a beautiful picture of us just all doing life together. And you know what? It's not just me who's wanting to espouse this and say this sort of stuff. I actually see this in the Bible. And I'm actually going to get Grace. I'm going to invite her because I think it's sometimes nice to hear it from the next generation's voice. I'm going to get Grace to come up and she's going to read to us Psalm 78, verses 2 to 7. Do you want this Bible? Because it'll be the same on the words on the screen, or you want yours? Okay. It's just here. Or you can do it from up there. What a beautiful picture, right? Telling the next generation and passing it on that they might also pass it on. That's the hope, right? It's not just about us passing it on, but it's like this thing that continues to go down. It continues to be passed on so that people can put their trust in the Lord. For the children yet to be born. Church's family, when we come together to be able to do this thing called faith, called life, to be able to be the bride who waits for the groom to come to take us to our new home as we wait, as we seek to be prepared, as we seek to wear those white garments as we wait. We get to do this together. We get to help one another. We get to try and encourage one another. We get to build the future as we wait for the ultimate future. I'm going to finish by doing a task which helps us with this. 
Uh, there's two things we're going to do. Uh, so I'm going to give everybody, adult, children, everybody's going to get a piece of paper. And what I want you to do on one side, I want you to draw a picture, get your artistic creativity out, draw a picture of something that God has done for you. It could be something very personal to you, but I am going to ask you to share with some people around so that might just know that that's going to be asked of you. Um, and so I want you to draw something that God has done for you. Maybe a time when you were really anxious about something, you prayed about it, and you saw God answer that prayer. Or it could just be looking at the Bible and seeing any, any number of the wondrous things God does for us in His Word. The salvation Jesus has won, but He's given His life for us. I want you to draw a picture of that on one side. On the other side... I want you to think about, is there something that you're a bit worried about or a bit nervous about for the future? Is there something in your future that you think just you're aware of and you don't know how it's going to turn out? There's a little bit of worry there. I want you to try and capture that in a picture. And then I'm going to encourage us to get in groups of about four or five or six. I don't really mind. I'm not going to be too prescriptive there. And I encourage you to just share briefly, if you feel comfortable, what you've drawn on both sides. And then, crazy, rather than just having one person pray from the front, we can actually pray for each other. <laughs> no matter what age we are. I saw this beautiful thing, this, this Baptist church in Queensland, which had run a whole morning where they invited parents, mums, dads, and their kids to come to this interactive prayer thing, right? And prayer wasn't just this quiet, still thing. Sometimes it's noisy and sometimes it involves lots of things. It's about the heart of coming before God and being able to bring Him the stuff which is worrying us. It's about remembering the trustworthy deeds of the Lord, the stuff that He has done for us in the past. And so as we think about the things that we're worried about in the future, it helps to shape those worries helps to speak into those worries. It helps us to know that we are the God who knows us and who loves us, who knows our situation and has things in hand and has an amazing future for us. So I'm going to bring some paper around. Can I encourage you to grab a texter? Uh, I'm going to get Grace to do the other half of the room. Which half? That half? Uh, not this half that I'm doing. You're up in the shade. Sorry, Josh. Worryings are something that uh, God's done for you in the past and something that you might be worried about in the future. Yeah, one on one side, one on the other side. Snooze, you lose.
one side you're drawing something that God's done for you in the past. Could be something in your own life, could be something from the Bible. The other side, something that you're worried about. We're also, we're not looking for Picasso. Uh, I'm going to give you two minutes on each side. And I say two minutes and I don't really mean that. It'll probably be less than that. If you are okay, fine. Uh, if you haven't gone onto the second side of your page yet, I would recommend uh, moving on to the second side now. You have maybe uh, a minute left for both sides. give you about 10 seconds to finish off. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. Uh, now's the tricky bit. I now want you in groups of four or five. If you have, oh sorry, five or six, if you have a family of five, uh, I would love for you to invite somebody else to also be part of uh, your group so that you can be praying uh, with others within your wider church family. It's nice to be able to pray as a family, even nicer to be able to pray with people in your wider church family. So can I invite you now to be able to get in groups? I mean, again, I'm going to put a timer on to be able to, uh, you're going to have a minute to get into groups and to share your pictures starting now. You got about 30 seconds left. Start a group, start sharing. Start sharing your pictures.
All right, you've got about 30 seconds left of sharing. Well, better get cracking. Speak quickly. Ten, nine, eight, no. All right, can I encourage you now? I've given you a, a bit longer than I intended, but can I encourage you now to maybe spend some time praying with each other? You may have had time to hopefully share some of your points. Uh, can I encourage you to spend some time praying with people who are part of your church family?
if I can encourage the la- that per- person praying to just round out their prayer. I will pray for us to bring things to a bit of a close. Heavenly Father, we will utter hidden things, things from old, things we have heard and known. We will not hide them from the next generation. We will tell them the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget your deeds, but keep your commands. And from Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for the gospel and that it transforms generations. It's not just something for people when they reach a certain age. It's not something we grow into. It's something for all people of all ages that we can proclaim because we are your family. Amen.